0: This is Cher, and I'm here with Jason and Rob. Guys, if you had to describe this podcast in five words or less, what would you say?
1: I'm going to go with, wild E. Coyote guzzling gasoline.
2: I'm thinking climate change, diarrhea hurricane. (laughs) Are you serious? Maybe I should do this thing on my own. Fine. It's a show about how to stay sane in a world where there's too many people consuming too much stuff, and the planet can't take it anymore. You had me at diarrhea. Caution, if you're allergic to four-letter words, you might want to try a different podcast.
1: Hi, Jason here. Before we dive into this episode, I want to let you know that when we recorded it, I was working on a report with the help of Post Carbon Institute. The title of the report is The Future is Rural, and it provides a lot of detail on the topic of this episode, the food system. You can download The Future is Rural at www.postcarbon.org, and I hope you'll give it a read. Now, back to our regularly scheduled program. You ever been to the San Francisco Bay Area, right? You guys know the Bay Area. Oh, yeah.
0: You? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I used to live down there.
1: Right, me too. And I, um, I got family down there. I visit sometimes, and oh, my gosh. Have you ever been stuck in traffic?
2: No, no. What's that like? Oh. Uh, this is America, right? <laughs> traffic in the Bay Area?
0: Nah.
1: Well, you know, it's surreal, like you, you can be in this because the berry has kind of rolling hills, and you can be somewhere, and you can see you can see to the horizon. imagine twilight, right? It's like the it's like evening commute, and it it's twilight, and there's there's the the red lights ahead of you, miles and miles of, it. and then there's the white lights coming towards you as well,
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. like from eight lanes of traffic or something like that.
2: Well, I like that you call it a commute. I'm thinking like it's the evening sit or the evening parking lot.
0: It's it's the sit and start and sit and start and sit and start.
2: I mean, I don't live there anymore, partly because
1: I couldn't take it. Because what I think about when I'm in that situation is, what a freaking waste, right? We can be doing better things with these fossil fuels.
0: Oh, you're talking about the fuels. I think a lot of people are sitting around thinking, this is a fucking waste because I'm sitting here, I have better things to do. But you're you're talking about a different kind of waste.
1: Yeah, I'm not talking about, I need to get home and watch Netflix or something like that. <laughs> right. um, no, I'm thinking that- A lot that, of people
0: just do that in their car while they're waiting. Right.
1: right. right. Yeah. Well, this algae died for us, right? <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: yeah. <laughs> this algae Did died it, first. Is that a little
2: like Jesus died for us? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Are you talking about how the fuel was made? No, I yeah. thought, I'm I going thought, way back in time. I thought somebody just put it there.
1: We got to be respectful.
2: The dinosaurs put it there. Okay. Yeah,
1: dinosaur blood and algae all kind of commingled and it got trapped. And and the stuff is precious. And and I so I get into farming, right? And I look at what happens on a farm and how much fuel goes into plowing a field and then how much natural gas goes into the fertilizers that get applied and then and then you might uh you might have to harvest it with a combine these things are these are amazing machines
2: oh we all like stats i so with one san francisco commute you could feed the world for 27 years right (laughs) something like that
1: (laughs) i don't know i don't know for sure but it's bad it's like a bad it's 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 just it's irreverent you know, to, to, to waste it on this, just sitting in this traffic jam. What kills me is I'm thinking like the people in the barrier, like they're well fed, right? They can, they're getting delivered all this food and I'm going, wait a second. There's these, there's these farms that, that need this stuff more than you do to sit in this traffic jam. And how long is this going to, how long is this going to last? Right. Or,
0: or the people sitting there need the farms to have it
2: they, right.
1: they, they because, I, it, it's a prioritization issue for me well, most, yeah
2: most people don't need the farm for right away I mean you can you oh, know, they could lose the average a few American pounds. can wait about six or eight weeks before they need the farm. Well like,
1: I think the average Venezuelan how much have they lost right
2: Oh 25 pounds or something. right
1: Venezuela is having trouble so you know there, there are situations and there are where societies sort of have trouble and they really care about food again a lot but right now I guess we just we just want our evening commute.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, it's true. I mean, sitting there, I I had that experience just the other day. I was I was at a coffee shop and drinking coffee sitting outside, and there was a woman who was parked, and she was on her phone. And I swear to God, she was out there for at least a half an hour, and her engine was just running. You know, oh, like it wasn't a super hot day. It was a totally beautiful day, and she could have just opened the fucking window and turned off her engine. But no, she just sat there... With her engine running for half an hour. Did you I, have bad fantasies was,
2: about doing things? I
0: was slowly like I could have reheated my coffee just with <laughs> with he, the anger and the animus I had in me. Uh, Sharon, yeah,
2: he he got so mad. I bet he could have turned that car over with his bare arm. Oh, yeah, just like totally. lifted. I mean, people talk it.
0: about mothers doing these <laughs> heroic things to save their children. Yeah. Fuck that! No, I want to flip her car over because she was just wasting this fuel. Right. You know, like no, forget the. Forget what she's doing to warm the planet. That is uh, that is awful. Right. And the other crap that's spewing out of out of the tailpipe of her car. It's just the this idea that this shit is so cheap right. that nobody even thinks twice about the fact that like they're literally burning old ancient sunlight. Right. You know, sitting there, twinling their thumbs, that's, playing video games on their phone. That's a
2: god doing. given American right, boy. I mean, you, you see this all the time, right? Like, uh, especially, I think, your example of sitting at a coffee shop. Like, you're trying to sit outside, relax, read something maybe, and here comes the guy with the blower or the person sitting in their car, uh, just wants the AC to run while they're, like you said, talking on the phone. It's just, how, how much do we discount this stuff? Like, we, we just... Well we
0: price it so cheap. So of course, you know, we do that. Can
2: I can
1: I kind of lay down some 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 information here?
0: Sure. Yeah. Okay.
1: So I'm trying to give people that don't have a perspective on this a perspective. All right. So ancient Egypt. You guys heard of that place?
2: It's Uh, kinda like the uh, Bay Bay Area, right?
1: It 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 used used to be. It's like, you know, Silicon
2: Valley, (laughs) a lot of sand there. It was the
1: original. It was the original like civilization. (laughs) And in ancient Egypt, there are about three million people. During the time of the pharaohs and all the pyramid building, when all that big action happened. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, 95% of the people grew all the food for the 5% that could be pharaohs and the pharaohs, you know, minions, and could build the pyramids.
0: Oh, so you're counting in the 5%, the pyramid builders.
1: Yeah, there were about 100,000 of them at a time. Right. Who
0: probably weren't like... they They were,
2: they were aliens, right? <laughs> I think the
0: aliens did build the pyramids. Yeah. yeah. They uh it's not like they were part of that 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 set of the elite like the pharaohs. They, I think they
1: usually are... were worked to death within a few years. Right. But yeah. but you know you fed them. You had to feed them, you know. Sure. F- uh, you know, a few thousand calories a day. That was a surplus from the people who were actually doing the work for the rest of society. And it would take about 20 years to build a pyramid or something like that. So like think of 100,000 people working for 20 years for your average pyramid, for your average pyramid, yeah. right? And then um, today you can take a, there's a guy that wrote a book about this and he did the stat. It was great at 2004 book. And the stat was one flight from New York to Cairo uses as much energy as it took to build one of those, one of those normal pyramids It's called the step pyramid, um, but it took 95% of the population to give the surplus so that over 20 years, some some poor part of the population who was, you know, being treated pretty poorly, they were probably, you know, prisoners. Well, or, this
2: this gives me a good idea. I think American yeah. Airlines should have a, a contest where when you fly from New York to Cairo, you yeah. actually win a pyramid. You you get a pyramid for yourself. You just, just get one out there in the desert and it's the same amount of energy.
1: Why not? It is pretty much the same amount of energy. And it only costs what?
2: I don't know. I'm yeah. pretty out of it. Uh, uh, Was it a, thousand a few bucks? hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah
1: a thousand bucks. A thousand bucks gives you a ticket to somewhere and where you, you can look at these pyramid. pyramids. It took like a hundred thousand people twenty years to build. It goes nuts. And now, of course, today it's the reverse. How many of you? Uh, how many of you farm? Do you guys farm? Oh yeah. You, uh, uh, yeah. No,
2: <laughs> I haven't done a hard day's work in my life. Yeah. No, I don't farm.
1: No. No, it's, it's pretty rare. I think, uh, 1% of the well, population is officially a farmer. I,
2: I'm going to say until I moved to Oregon and met you, Jason, and met a couple of your colleagues, I don't think I ever knew a single farmer. Right. They're so, they're so you rare. never
0: met farmers at like going to farmer market or something like that?
2: No, I don't think I went to a true, well, you know, to a true farmer's market until I was here. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the three of us uh, middle-aged guys, we grew up at a time where that stuff was disappearing and you right. didn't you didn't really see it. It's uh, kind of
1: coming back. Well, yeah. you
0: know, I I I've been lucky because so we talk about the Bay Area, I was, you know, living before I moved here. I was living in uh in north of of the San Francisco Bay Area, and there were great farmers markets around there and and actually one of the things that my wife really prioritized was getting to know she tried try to buy as much as she could from the farmer's market, but she also wanted to know the farmers.
2: Can I tell you guys a really sad story about farmers and farming? So I went to high school in the south a suburb of Atlanta in Georgia. We were just kind of middle-class suburbia. And our high school had... Uh, a special day when we played the rival high school in football. You know, it's a Friday night, and so Friday at my school was Farmer Day, where you dress like every up week? in no, no, just oh, when we play that, okay. that football game. Okay. You you'd put on your plaid and your straw hat and act sure. like an idiot because you know, right. farmers farmers are to be. Well, no, this this wasn't Deliverance, but. <laughs> So but farmers are to be denigrated, right? right. Farmers made are, are to be made fun of. You're like yeah. dumbing down. That was the, oh, the yeah. idea. Like this yeah. is, the, you know, we're, we're now going to be idiot farmers. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: I kicked their butt on the football field, which, by the way. No, no, we always
2: lost. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: ironic. So a football field, by the way, is how big? Uh,
2: 100 yards. Okay. And like area. 50 yards wide. I can't do that kind of math on the spot. it's on. one acre.
1: Is it almost exactly one oh, acre? Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, um, so what, here, here's what amazing to me is like as a as a as a human being with my own like body and tools, I might be able to manage cultivating. I don't know, maybe a quarter of an acre
2: <laughs> you're talking about like hand turning the soil with a shovel
1: yeah yeah you know doing planting, that kind everything, of planting harvests, stuff harvesting. harvesting everything yeah i once
2: i once made a garden that was about the size of a yoga mat that yeah, way exactly. i thought that was pretty tough
1: <laughs> right i mean so i'd be working pretty
2: little f- plant once on my balcony yeah
1: yeah exactly so like with the human labor kind of thing you can take care of you know a few of you a family and maybe a family extended family could handle an acre and feed themselves
0: could an acre feed you
1: yeah, an acre, you know, if you really intensively work it and stuff, probably you probably eat a
0: lot less meat, though.
1: Yeah, eat a lot. You know, the meat goes, the, the meat is basically like you All know, your neighbors, scraps. You're eating <laughs> your neighbors. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. When they get older, decrepit, you know, yeah. they get, they start limping. Easy, aren't Yeah, Yeah, exactly. you,
2: you want the young meat. You don't want, <laughs> you want that tough, veal. To
1: yeah. Hard. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but no, a family could maybe a family can manage an acre and feed themselves probably uh, with with hand tools and stuff. Um, but if, when you start thinking about like, well, what's happening nowadays is we use these fuels and we put them in machines, and then they can they can one guy or or gal with with little toggles and levers and buttons.
0: And GPS and
1: yeah, yeah, you don't even need that, but that that helps maybe sometimes. Some
2: chemicals usually and chemicals,
1: yeah, you know, you've got your synthetic fertilizer, which derived from natural gas, but you know, you package that all together, and it's called industrial agriculture. And one person can cover hundreds of acres, really, and provide so much food that instead of you know ninety five percent of the population getting a surplus to feed another five percent don't have to farm it's the other way around it's like five percent or less of the population can feed everybody else and that's that's only because we've got this fuel but what's
0: wrong with that that sounds great And the rest of us can go and
2: And, watch youtube videos yeah and and sit in traffic jams and and we can we can we can can record podcasts right
1: well i know that's what's so bizarre in some ways it's great right you think Okay, you know we we've, we've freed ourselves from the toil and, and, and then and the and the insecurity of, of this, and so in some ways I think this is what what's led to a great deal of scientific and technical progress, and more people can be artists, and, and in some ways that's okay, great. That's that's the world I live in, and we all live in, and we in some ways appreciate that. But there's, I mean, are there any downsides you can think of? Help me out here, you know?
2: Well, I, my, my daughter listens to a lot of music, and when I hear that, I think that could be a downside. But, <laughs> but now I'm just sound like a middle-aged dad character, so that's not cool. Yeah.
0: There are lots of downsides. I mean, look, we're all connected with Post Carbon Institute, right? So, Rob, you and I work there, and Jason, you're on the board, and we are well aware and try to communicate a lot to people what are some of the downsides of our... Current dependence on fossil fuels, so I'm happy to kind of uh summarize them One is there's a lot of environmental impact from us burning those fossil fuels yeah right so there's there's contamination, you talk about farm stuff, you know yeah. where where there's a lot of runoff there's Basically, these dead zones, you know, um, which is runoff from from agrochemicals. There's uh, all the particulate stuff that goes up in the atmosphere. There's the fact that we're depleting topsoil because we're tilling the hell out of it. You know, 25 billion tons a year of topsoil that's getting lost. Um, Wow. There's climate change, you know, warming the planet through the use of, through the burning of fossil fuels. Not obviously just on the farm. It's all those fucking cars. Right. Seeing traffic and other things. But the big one, I think at least related to this issue, right, is the fact that these things are, are non-renewable. They're a depleting resource, yeah. right? So if we're consuming something like 10 to 12, you know, calories of, of fossil fuels to produce one calorie of food, which yeah. is roughly what what's happening in the food good, system. Good job, yes. Yeah, yes. I know. Then, then, and it's a depleting resource. Right. You know, at some point that might be a problem. Right. And if we build out a system this way where right. we're dependent on that, you well and i
2: I think you're also uh being quite generous with okay, we have all this extra time and extra way that we can focus our attention and you talk about science and art and all that, but there's a lot of us that aren't doing shit with all this extra time and, and available resources we traffic. have it yeah. yeah,
1: yeah yeah and uh,
2: you know i I don't want to get totally judgmental here, but you know maybe there was some good to be had from having a little more labor in the economy, right.
1: I I I I think so. I mean I I've traveled a lot to other parts of the world um you know burning burning a lot of kerosene uh, at 35,000 feet on the way You hypocrite yeah, you it, you know traveling at 650 miles per hour in in my recliner seat it was it was awesome. <laughs> Anyhow um
0: you're just sitting there bitching about the uh
2: the service.
1: Oh, I couldn't get my drink in time and <laughs> yeah. you know, oh the food wasn't really like those that great.
2: bathrooms are really small. It was very small. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Um anyhow I got there. I got I got there. I got through it. And um so I'd land in some uh some so called third world country and then you got to the countryside and there'd be these like six year old kids in the highlands of Peru who are like herding uh herding thirty sheep down the road to the new paddock, right? Or these families working together uh harvesting potatoes, and you're just going, these populations um look nothing like the people that, you know, they don't do the kind of things that uh, the people that I grew up with do. Completely different lifestyle. But in many ways, they're not so dependent upon these fossil fuels. And if you look across different nations, there's a huge range. There's, some nations have 80% or more of their population still involved in growing food for themselves and their families and their communities. And, and, and if you look at how much energy they use per capita... It's tiny, and so there's this incredible relationship between the two. You look at statistics on this, and in countries where we where they do use, you know, a lot of fossil fuel energy, and to mean natural gas and coal and, and oil, and you tend to get this drive towards removing people from producing their own food.
2: So, is that why there's such a backlash when you talk about limiting? fuel use in a place like America is because people are afraid of, the, of having to go do that work. I don't think people realize that that's what it means to limit their fuel use because how
0: many people honestly think about where their food comes from or what it takes to grow their food? Yeah. I don't know that they're thinking that that much about it.
2: I know the food, it comes from the grocery store. That's yeah. right.
0: Or, you know, from McDonald's. Right. Well,
1: yeah. let, me, let me bring up a long-term kind of perspective on this, Okay. You guys have heard of David Holmgren, the permaculture guy. Oh yeah. Okay. Several years ago, he he came up with this this thing called the energy descent scenarios or future scenarios, and one of them was energy descent. And he's got a new new book out called Retro Suburbia, right? And so you can, you can look at that book, and it's interesting. But he basically wrote that book thinking about a scenario in which there's less and less energy available to societies like us, you know, in the United States or in Australia where he lives. And here's what he wrote. Energy's descent is the erratic but ongoing decline in the material and energy base supporting humanity. As high quality fossil fuels are depleted and the impacts of their past use continue, such as climate change, the nature of society will change to reflect many of the basic design principles, if not details, of pre-industrial societies that worked with less energy of lower quality. This will require a relocalization of the economy, a re-ruralization of settlements. And in many countries, a reduction in the population that can be sustained. So that, you know, that, that whole idea that you relocalize and re ruralize because you don't have a super abundance of energy is what fascinates me and why I get so much why I get so upset about the waste, you know, of the coffee shop so. person is that we need time. <laughs> like if only, if only a few percent of us actually know how to do anything anymore on the land... We need to save that stuff, and not waste it.
0: Yeah. Not only are there very few of us, but they're older, right? Yeah. They're
1: older and about they're... sixty is the average age of farmers now.
2: Yeah. We don't have a lot of young farmers coming up. Yeah. I do want to say I've met quite a few young farmers, so there is some positive. Yeah, movement I think that. I think way. we like, live in a pretty unusual that, space. that's probably yeah. true. But I also want you know, it's no spoiler alert that the three of us are aligned with David Holmgren and think that when energy starts to decline, we have to do things entirely differently. Yeah. But that is not the mainstream view at all, right? There's no. and, and I mean, I'm not even talking about everyone across America or the, or the world. I'm talking about people who are concerned about climate change. Okay. The mainstream view there is that, oh, whatever, we just switch. We right. don't we don't worry about fossil fuel anymore. We just switch to renewable resources. We right. do, we're going to use solar energy and wind power, electric tractors, and we'll just keep yeah. doing more of the same, except for more of it.
1: Yeah, and people will be confined to like urban cities, your centers, and stuff. Yeah, and we'll,
2: we'll have
0: vertical farms. We'll be growing stuff yeah. on our yeah. roofs and on the sides of yeah. buildings. And it's robots no will go
1: into the hinterlands and gather grain for us. From that, a,
2: you know that always kills me. Like you ever try to grow something in a beautiful natural setting. It's not, it's not always the easiest thing. Now, now try to grow one inside of a building. Like, Oh, I, I, this, this
1: also really ticks me off. I mean, I think I would like every, anybody who is proposing eco modernism kind of perspectives on come visit me if you want. And I'll, I'll give you tours around and show you how farms actually work and what it really takes and what, what the problems are. I mean, I don't think those folks have any actual tactical, practical experience in the real world doing farming?
2: Well, I think what they're doing is confusing technology and energy, right? Like they think because technology has improved so much, because we've had this incredibly stable supply of energy and and cheap, that because the technology can improve like that, that we can do anything we want. But it's all dependent on that fossil fuel energy uh, supply that 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 we burn in traffic and and uh waste by building ski resorts in the desert
0: i think yeah i mean i think part of it you when you talked uh, earlier rob about you know high school and people dressing down as farmers and that being sort of like considered to be you know lower class or something i remember talking to um and I won't name the organization, but I remember talking to, to somebody who was working for uh, an environmental, like environmental justice, you know, nonprofit that was really focused on trying to create green jobs, you know, and they're all about trying to create jobs in solar industry and renewables in general. And I asked them about, well, what about the food system? What about growing food? And that was so unappealing really? to them because. They saw that and I understand it. They yeah. their, their view of labor on the farm is the plight of you know offering migrant, right. undocumented farm workers who have a pretty hard life get paid shit. You know, it's not aspirational, lift yourself out of poverty, get a middle class job. Renewables, you know, building wind turbines or installing solar right. panels does that. But the their vision of what it means to work on a
2: farm is
0: going backwards, right? right, and not
2: forwards. So this is really interesting to me, because I, I've gotten a pretty solid introduction to farmer, mostly through you, Jason. And and recently, um, one of uh, our, our website, resilience.org, which runs all these great stories, it, it ran one on this uh, this woman wrote it. She had just returned from the first eco-socialist, International conference, right? That interesting. That sounds pretty. Uh, you know, I'm sure the capitalists out there are like eco-socialism, huh? Yeah, that's that's this is uh, this is a bunch of crap. But but it stayed with me what she said. Um, she said in returning from the conference that that the people there adopted this position that the small farm would be the base unit for an emergent future society. And it would be founded on on these ideals like recovery of historical memory and, and territorial organization by by bioregion and, and respecting the rights of nature and decolonization of the mind. I thought that one yeah. was particularly fascinating. And then reconfiguration of indigenous nations. And the reason that stayed with me is I've been trying to think like, yeah, what would society look like if we don't have that fossil fuel base, which right. we know at some point in the future we won't, and maybe sooner than later if climate change is progressing as rapidly as it is. And so I think that reorganization to the small farm, it's a going forward in a way, but okay. it relies on this wisdom that maybe we got to pull from our past.
1: Yeah, from past and from other intact agrarian societies to some extent as well. You know, I think the, that's the only way possible to manage this long term like i think you know i brought this up of like we'll save the fuels for the big equipment we have right now because we're going to need them for a while like right? if we just remove the diesel from the farm system you yeah, we'll know we'll go hungry
2: we'll go hungry really well, quick. can we can we drink that would that would that give us
1: some calories it would be helpful well uh, it, would,
2: it would put some people out anyway. that, that might help yeah, yeah. yeah. But, let me, let me know, go get a gallon real quick here.
1: <laughs> but while you're like rationing your fuels for, for the food system, you also need to be realizing, okay, if I'm having to ration fuels for the food system, I better be working on new systems that don't require these fuels. And if you do that, that's going to require, as David Holgram says, a re-ruralization. I mean, that's a big term, re-ruralization. What does that mean? That's, that's, if you look at demographic trends in the world, more people now live in cities than live in, in, in rural areas. And that's the first in the first time in human history that just kind of happened that that threshold happened in the last few years. And he's saying, well, as we go down through energy descent, societies are going to have to go back to more the structure uh, on, on the land of more people need to be in rural areas. I think of it, you know the analogy I think of is is um, if you have a dairy farm, okay, you know what dairy farms are. What what do they, what do they make?
2: They make moo moo's.
1: Yeah, moo moose, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so... So if you have a dairy farm, the deal about dairies is that the cows have to go outside... Traditionally, they would go outside to eat, and they would go out and pasture, and they would eat. And then they would come back to the barn twice a day, and then they would extract from their udders... And they eat cheese,
2: right? That's what they go out and eat? Exactly.
1: (laughs) They, They extract from their udders the milk. Okay? And... But twice a day, you have to walk them outside and then walk them back. So, that was a, there was a natural limit to how many dairy cows you could manage because if you had too many dairy cows, you'd have to walk them too far to be practical, to get to the far pastures. So, it limited they the They couldn't size.
0: get back in time. To, it would just take to too, too much
1: time. Right. It would just take too much time. It was too much energy and time and effort to manage fields that are too far away, of walking distance. And you think about cities, right?
0: They need to put them on escalators, and like, uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, how many how many cows can you get on each story of the Empire State Building? <laughs>
1: yeah, but yeah, the hyperloop, hyperloop yeah. the cows. It'll
2: it'll smell so good in there after a while. <laughs> yeah. So
1: cities are the same way, right? The only reason, the only way we can have cities as big as they are, is because we don't have to walk the food to them, and we don't have to walk the waste products back out of them. They're coming in by train. They're coming in by trucks, right? And then there's somebody showing up and they're, they're removing our garbage and, they're, and there's pipes removing our sewage and pumping it like crazy. So without all this extra energy that we have, the cities can't be as big as they are. And that's where the re-ruralization has to happen. What's
0: so interesting to me about this is that you, if you asked 100 futurists... You you talk to any person who studies uh, demographic trends right. or anything, you talk to a hundred of them, how many are the, of them would predict what David Holmgren is basically saying is going to be? Negative seven of one? Right,
1: exactly. David Holmgren.
0: I mean, and you talk to them about that. And they think that you're nuts because everything has been pointing in the exact opposite direction. Right. And same thing with the food system. Everything's been pointing to concentration. Yes. Efficiency. Efficiency
1: of labor, not of anything else. Right. Yeah.
0: And let's get everything, you know, get get people concentrated in cities. And people live in cities are greener, remember. Right. Well, but that's what people think, right? Yeah, They use less, you know, they use less energy, supposedly. Yeah. And so we're going to get people in cities and we're going to grow things in these kind of industrial processes because of efficiency you talked to them about this idea of, no, we're actually going to have to live in smaller cities. We're going to have to have people going out of cities.
1: Yeah.
2: I don't think you guys understand what a futurist is. Uh, a futurist is somebody who tells people what they want to hear, right? right. We will That's 3- how you get a job. Isn't we're, right? we're in the wrong line we're, of work, we're gonna we? are going to 3D print uh, food. We're going to get rid of cows. What are you talking about? We're right. just going to 3D well, print your Well, people are working on it right cheese. now. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you, you know, you guys are part of the wet blanket society, basically. <laughs> you know, that is not a good uh, future scenario. yeah but
0: but there is, on the flip side, I kind of feel like there's there are people who and I'm guilty of this a bit, where we embrace I think a lot of people have embraced mm-hmm. sort of local food, organic food, ethical food. You know that this has been a growing movement in this country, and I think a lot of that's driven from a values perspective or a health perspective. And we tend, those of us who are like really do good or progressive types, we tend to romanticize the small farm and the small farmer, right? Yeah. And and I think uh, a lot of people might say, "Oh, well, this is all going to be a good thing, right? We're all going to grow food, you know, and and small plots." But there's probably something, at least in the near term, I think this is what you're talking about, Jason, where And then nearer to to medium term, we might have to actually use fossil fuels, right? And and use them wisely, which is why it drives us, I think, all of us so crazy when we see people, you know, burning it on stupid, stupid reasons, because we actually do need it right now to grow food, even if we decide that we want to do it in a different way. You know, there's 7.6 billion people on this planet, you know, and can we actually feed that many people? Without all the inputs of fossil fuels. It'd
1: know? be pretty tough. Yeah. So I th- I think that, you know, what do you do if you're if you're an individual who understands this information? I mean,
2: I think <laughs> jump out of the top of a vertical farm. One. <laughs> well, don't leave your fucking engine running while yeah. you're talking on the phone. Well
1: what's fascinating to me is to think about that, okay, you talked you mentioned earlier like ten units of energy go into in the food system to produce one unit of food, right? It's totally backwards, right? If 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 we were a pack of lions, we'd be starving you chase 10 Impalas to get one or, you know, you run out of energy. But how do you then as an individual take some control and also then maybe become more adaptable to the future, whether for yourself or your kids? Well, I think at home, three out of those 10 calories you're talking about are in the home. Hmm. Two out of 10 are on the farm. So the farmer is only using... I mean, it's bad, okay? The, the farms are using two units of energy to produce one right. unit of food, <laughs> right. okay? That's not great. It's not uh, great. That's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. <laughs> the home is using three units of energy out of that, out of that 10 for the one unit it gets in, in consumption. So all the cooking you do and the refrigeration and, mm-hmm. and, and, and all that. And the, probably the food waste, too. And food waste. We waste, you know, up 30% of our food at the home level. It's even worse if you start looking at what waste. Like restaurants, yeah, and, and in the, in the and processing system, yeah. but fifty percent of that of that is in the sort of the processing and transportation is a little bit of that, but it's the food processing and packaging mm-hmm. and and all the intermediaries we have, the stores, the retail establishments. So if you can eat seasonally, right, know how to actually cook, know how to cook the right amount. So you don't waste and, and cook food that everyone wants, likes to eat and it's a nice balanced diet. And then learn how to support those local farms that are using best practices to reduce their energy use on the farm. Figuring out a way to eat locally, seasonally and be a great like chef
0: a little bit lower on the food chain too. And, and eat lower on your food chain. Don't
1: yeah. don't don't eat as much as much meat. I'm like not all meats bad. I think a lot. I think some meats really good. You know, pasture based meats. I think are, are can be great to restore the soil.
0: Oh man, we were going to get yeah. a lot of hate so, mail for that. So, and what, no, it's
1: true though. You need but, the the soil getting tilled all the time. Is some of the most destructive things you can do.
2: Right. Um, you think all of this is better than becoming a breatharian?
1: I I, I taste better. <laughs> It tastes a lot better.
2: You get you get a little more energy out of it. Yeah. Wait, what the hell is a breath theory? <laughs> That's, uh, well, you know, me and Jason have been working on this diet for a while, right? Where you, you... You just breathe air? Yeah, but you have to turn it into calories for your body. You oh, know? okay. Yeah. <laughs> you have to wait till the planets align correctly and you've got to... You know, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you let me know when that happens. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'll but come I, back. It, you'll be a skeleton. Right.
1: But I think there's a lot of individuals and households can do. But I also think there's a lot of work that can be done in your community uh, to build more, more food security and to learn about these issues. PCI has some great resources on the food system.
0: Yeah. And people should check out David Holmgren's stuff too. And I mean. David Holmgren's
1: stuff is great too. So you guys hungry?
2: Yeah. Let's go. Uh, can we eat some to people? Let's, let's go breathe some air. You
1: want to get some fast food burgers? Oh, yeah. Can we, can we try?
2: Let's, let's wait until hey. it's the peak traffic time. Hang okay. on, though. Uh, can we first go buy a Hummer so that we can yeah. go through the drive-through in a Hummer? Okay, let's do All this. I right. Right, see you guys. Sweet. Sweet.
0: That's our show. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe to the podcast. And while you're at it, rate or review it at iTunes. That really helps get it in front of more people. To learn more, visit postcarbon.org/slash crazytown. And if you want to actually learn something instead of listening to us bozos, you should check out Post Carbon Institute's Think Resilience course. It's four hours, 20 bucks, and will seriously change the way you see the world. Catch you next time on the mean streets of crazy town.
1: We have a great sponsor today, fellas. Uh, I don't know if you know about them. You've you've had them. Sugar Bowl. Oh, (laughs) I love that. I mean, it's so much more efficient, right?
2: That's my favorite cereal, Sugar Bowl. I love it.
1: Cut out, cut out the crap, and just give us sugar. Right, right. Yeah, it's
2: so good. You know what the best way to eat sugar bowl is? You, Tell us, you, Rob. What do you like to do? I like instead of milk, you pour corn syrup over it. High <laughs> fructose, if you got it. Yeah.
1: And what's great about it is that every sugar bowl uh, serving is individually wrapped in plastic.
2: Oh that's yeah, that's awesome. It comes in that styrofoam bowl. It's so comforting. Yeah, yeah. you get
1: two pounds, thirty two ounces. Of pure
2: sugar bowl in every serving. Wow. That's uh. Well, I give, I give it to my kids every morning and then I send them off to school. Yeah. Yeah. The teachers love it. They're like, wow, look how awake and alive these kids are. I love it.
1: Now, if you order now, if you buy a case of sugar bowl, it comes with a free month supply of insulin. <laughs> it's a fantastic deal. You can only get this right now.
2: Yeah. Do you, uh, do you get any kind of like um, coupon for the clinic?
1: No, but you do get a plastic shovel to scoop the sugar bowl into your mouth.
2: Oh, man. I, you know, that's, that's what's missing. I love shoveling sugar into my mouth.
1: <laughs> well, all kids like this a lot. You're going to be a very popular parent if, if totally. you buy your kids sugar bowl.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I had to buy a sugar bowl for my kids because they came home and they were crying about the fact that their friends had it. You know, they right. were actually eating it for lunch at school.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, the school system is serving kids Sugar Bowl now um, for yeah. the breakfast what, if you go. Totally.
2: Yeah. You know, I used to give my daughter pixie sticks for breakfast, and she was like, it's too sour. So I started giving her Sugar Bowl. And
1: the pixies are small. It's just like a little <laughs> straw. The Sugar Bowl, you have scoops. You can scoop the sugar into your mouth in scoopfuls of plastic with a
2: plastic scoop.
0: Yep. So we can't recommend Sugar Bowl highly enough. You guys should go out and get it. We'll
2: actually have Amazon send it to you. So. We should eat some before our next episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm there.